Blog Talk Radio. You're invited to experience online healing retreats brought to you by AcousticHealth.com. These magical online gatherings give you valuable insights, exercises, and channeled information on the great shift of the ages. Visit AcousticHealth.com and click on Online Retreats or check out our retreat archive and download the recordings. Life-changing online retreat by AcousticHealth.com to another healing conversation brought to you by AcousticHealth.com. I'm Loren Gailey, and today we're going to talk with someone who calls himself an ordinary man, yet he's had an incredible experience. Don Saunders is the author of The Power of Knowing How Life Works, and he was downloaded this information a few years ago. He calls it The Knowledge of How Life Works how the universe was created, what thoughts are, even what happens when we die. And what's interesting is that he's never read any mainstream or conventional books or had any prior knowledge of what he's going to discuss with us today on how life works. It's a story that quantum physics is also proving scientifically. Welcome to Healing Conversations, Don Saunders. Hi, Don. Thank you for having me on your show. Now, several years ago, you woke up paralyzed and received some incredible information. Give us some background of what led up to that. Ever since I was 10 years old, I grew up poor out in the country, and a lot of times I'd sleep out under the stars. In fact, all summer long, because the hot was, or the house was hotter than the... Uh, surrounding environment. So I used to take my pillow and a blanket and look up at the stars and I started asking around 10, how does this all work? And what I meant was, how does life work? And every night I would focus on asking that question, never expecting an answer, of course, but I did ask the question and I really didn't specify to any particular superior being. I didn't say, God, can you tell me how this works? I just put out a general question. And then as I got older and started to think about life a little bit more, what happened to me was extraordinary. I lost seven very good close friends, all in different accidents, from a school that we only graduate 50 people a year from. It was a small country school. And one got killed by a drunk driver. One committed suicide. One was killed in Vietnam. Uh, my very best friend died of a cerebral hemorrhage. He, he never woke up one morning, and we were supposed to be roommates in college the following year. So I started to really focus on the question, how does this all work? How is it possible that these kids died at a very young age, and under normal circumstances, I may be riding in that car 
when they were killed, but I wasn't. For some reason, they died and I didn't. So I really focused on that. And the intensity of that focus became very strong. Well, one of the things that when you're growing up poor, you start to have thoughts as to how am I going to better my life? And so what happened to me was that at age 10, I'll go back just a little bit, I started focusing on going to work for Eastman Kodak Company. And the reason I did that was that it was the largest organization, big company, near us. And I was a farm boy, and I knew that I didn't want to bail hay the rest of my life, not that there's anything wrong with that. But the reality was is I wanted to wear a shirt and tie and be able to make a reasonable living. So I focused on Eastman Kodak. So fast forward a little bit. When I went to college, um, went there for two years, and then went to work for Kodak in the summertime, uh, just because that's the closest place to go to work. And then I got with the right people and stayed focused. And before I knew it, they had told me if, we, if I go to work for them on a full-time basis, they'll pay for the rest of my education. To make a long story short, 38 years later, I left the company. And the reality of it was, is that all along that path, of working for Eastman Kodak, I was in training and I never knew it. You see, when I started asking the question when I was 10 years old about how life worked, there was a powerful force at work that I did not realize was there. In fact, nobody has ever told me about it. And I call it the source. And the reality was is that by focusing on what I wanted in my life, I was able to grab onto each and every item in my life. I can go back now, look at every day of my life, and the reality is is that I was able to create it simply by focusing. And I had business success that was extraordinary. I had very, very good sales success when I was with Eastman Kodak. And the other thing, too, was is that I moved six times in a corporate move. They paid for everything. They paid on both ends. They, they covered all of the moves. And we would move about every four years, and my wife would look at me and say, we're moving again, huh? And the reality was is that I didn't know why we were moving. I just knew that they always sent me someplace that needed to be cleaned up, something that had to be fixed. And that's how they could justify transferring me all over the country, uh, San Francisco area, Seattle area. Cleveland area, Washington, D.C., San Diego, back up to Las Vegas. And I now know that it wasn't the company that was moving me. It was the universe training me. It was the universe that was making me available to all sorts of thoughts in the country. I was learning about all types of people, all colors, all races, all genders, and the depth of that training is what I needed to get in order to receive the knowledge when I received it. So I've been in training, and here's what happened. I started out poor, made a very good living. When you see where I live, I live in Lake Las Vegas. It's a beautiful resort, but that didn't just happen. I wished my way there, focused on how to get there. But the reality was is that when the economic crunch hit, it hit hard in Las Vegas. I crashed and burned. 
Actually, my company sold off my division, my medical division, eight months before I was eligible to retire. And I lost all of my retirement, everything, all of my benefits, the whole thing. Now, they'll tell you that, well, there was an annuity, but let me tell you something. My formula for retirement would have been much, much greater than what I ended up walking out the door with. But they gave me an opportunity with the company that bought them out, and they thought that was okay. So everybody kept smiling, and the, the managers and the big CEOs got all their bonuses. So I learned about tragedy that people are going through in this country when they lose their jobs, part of the training process. Mm -hmm. Then, of course, the resort fell apart. And not only did our houses turn upside down, but they turned inside out and flattened out. They, they were in such disarray that bankruptcy was all over the place in Lake Las Vegas. The golf courses closed, the hotels closed, the casinos closed. And all of that all of that period of time was part of my training. It was so bad that I questioned whether or not I should stick around the world. And I had to go through that. You have to understand how deeply this economic crush is affecting individual workers before you can help them fix it. So I had to get to the very lowest point in my life in order to understand how I can help people come out of it. And that's part of the training. So after all of that stuff, basically I saved my life by coming back to the house. And I don't want to get into all the gory details, but the reality was is I came back to the house to see if my insurance policy would cover suicide. Well, of course it doesn't. And there was my wife and she screamed at me and she said, how dare you think that money is the answer to our, our, our past that we've had together. And the reality is this. What happened was is that I got back through it and I started picking myself back up. And when I started to climb back up to rebuild my life again, what happened was is I woke up at 6 o'clock one morning and I was totally paralyzed. Now, I had no idea what was going on. Nobody had really told me what death was all about. So I said, maybe I died. Maybe this is death. Because even though I was wide awake and conscious of my surroundings, by being paralyzed, I was laying on my back, looking at the clock. I knew it was exactly 6 o'clock when my eyes opened. I could see the room around me, so I knew I was conscious of what was going on. But here's what was happening. Things were leaving from around me, and this is very significant. They were leaving from around me and going someplace. So I laid there, confused, had tears in my eyes, and realized something extraordinary is taking place right now. So for, from 6 o'clock to 6, 23.59, mm. everything was leaving from around me. What, then, do you mean, I, what do you mean everything was leaving Exactly. Well, that, that's a great question, and people always want to know the visual of it all. I just had this strong, powerful knowledge that things were leaving from around me, my past traditional beliefs, all of the stress, all of the history that had brought me right to that moment. 
all of the things that were bad in my life as far as the crash and all of that stuff was, was suddenly being lifted. And, and, and we've, we've since um, said that it was the hard drive being cleared, if you want to put it in today's terms. And so once that hard drive cleared, it opened up the opportunity for everything to change. So that exactly 624, everything reversed. And this powerful feeling came at me like a tornado. And the only thing I can describe it as is if you've ever seen The Wizard of Oz with Dorothy floating around in the air with her little dog and everything passing by her, that's how it felt that morning. And basically what happened was is that there was also like a 3D movie running in the background. And when I say in the background, I'm not saying necessarily in my mind. It was around me. And that 3D movie was flashing images of people. And some of them I recognized, some of the popular ones, the Oprah's, the Dr. Phil's. And people ask me, well, how can we recognize those people? Well, it's because they're recognizable. But there was thousands of others, and I know now what they were. They were people that are going to help me distribute this powerful knowledge that I'm going to explain to you. And, Loren, quite honestly, you're probably one of those. And when I say that to you, I mean that people come to me just like you did. You, you notified me. You said, look, we'd like to have a radio interview. It happens to me every day. And those people will help us change this world. Now, let me go back to the experience. At, at 624, all of that stuff came to me. And it started making some sense. I started to focus in on the fact that, you know what? Maybe this is the answer to the question that I've asked since I was 10 years old on how life works. Maybe this is what it is. And then I started feeling great. I actually felt like I'd slept for 100 years. And all of a sudden, the empowering, the, the powerful feeling overwhelmed me. And I thought, this is something. i got to really pay attention to what's going on here. So the clock clicked to 625. And I was able to jump out of bed. I grabbed a piece of paper and a pen that, that was sitting next to my bed, and I wrote my wife a note. She still has it. And I said, I think I've got it. I'm going to the gym. And I laid the note next to her sink so she could see it. Well, when I went to the gym, I stepped up on the elliptical, and pretty soon I had closed my eyes and started to focus on what had just taken place. Ninety minutes later, I opened my eyes not realizing that all of that time had passed, but the clarity of the insights that arrived with the knowledge that I'm going to tell you about was amazing. I had just been given the power of knowing how life works. And here, here's what it was. The knowledge that was delivered to me was, was pretty simple. It was how the universe began, how we live our lives, in our physical beings, and then, of course, the big one that everybody wants to know about, what happens when we die? So my sister said, well, Don, you actually got three answers. No. The question was, is how does life work? And what I got was the complete picture. So moving a little bit forward, what happened on that elliptical was that there was thousands of insights that arrived when the knowledge came to me. Remember I said it came back at me and surrounded me. It wasn't in my mind. It surrounded me. 
And that's a key component that we'll talk about very shortly. Because our thoughts, feelings, beliefs, emotions, knowledge, information surrounds us. It is not created in our mind. We have been told that our brains create our thoughts, feelings, beliefs, and emotions. Folks, that's not how it works. It works this way. You see, I was given the information on what happens when we die. And this is where I'm going to step in and I'm going to protect everybody's personal values. What I'd like to have everybody do is imagine that they have a little box in front of them. It doesn't have to be very big. Just make sure that it has a lid on it. And just imagine that you're putting all of your traditional thoughts on religion, politics, any prejudice you might have, and any of the old baggage that keeps you from moving forward every day of your life. And put that in the box and then put the lid down. And you hold on to that box. Just keep it nice and close to you. Because in there are your values. And I do not have the right, nor does anyone else, to take those personal values from you. If you believe that there's a strong spiritual leader that you want to follow because they have been good to you in your life, then keep that thought. Hold that thought with you. All I want to do is share the knowledge that came through me. You can apply it to all of your traditional beliefs, or you can shift your traditional beliefs based on what's going to help you move forward in the future. So stick with me on this. Here's what we've got. You've got all your traditional values stored in, in, in that little box. You've been told that your brain creates your thoughts, feelings, and beliefs. And just think about the restrictions that that has had on humanity. By telling somebody that they're inferior because they're not smart enough, to, to be able to tell somebody that they have an equal opportunity just by utilizing the power of knowing how life works will change millions of people's lives. You no longer just have to accept that that's the way it is because you have the same source available to you that I had when I received the answer to that question of how life works. So if you start to understand, you don't have to, but if you start to understand that our brains do not create our thoughts, feelings, beliefs, emotions, and knowledge, but rather they come from years and years of history. You see, I was shown what happens when you die. And when you die, all of those thoughts, feelings, beliefs, and emotions that surround us all dissipate back into the universe. So when you dissipate back into the universe, and you can take all of your traditional thoughts as to what happens, whether you go back all as one part, it doesn't happen that way. But if you, if you need to believe that, store that in the box, use it later on. But the reality is this, we go back, and for lack of a better earthly term, I'm going to use the word particles so that you understand they're very small pieces. They dissipate back into the universe, and future generations get to take all of the knowledge that you've accumulated, all of the thoughts, feelings, beliefs, and emotions that you've accumulated in your lifetime, and reutilize it. But what happens when they reutilize it they're gathering not just from you, but they're gathering from a focused thought. 
that may have been produced back in the universe by hundreds of people. So when you gather up all of those particles, for lack of a better word, and I'm going to explain why I use that term, but when you gather up all those particles and you start to focus on a topic that has processed through you, because that's what your brain is, it's a processor in a memory bank, when you've processed all of the accumulated consciousness knowledge, then you start to form your life. You start to open the doors that the universe opens for you because you have a particular focus. Take a professional athlete. This is a great example. We have people that have little means that that may have been brought up in, in, in the world where they don't have an awful lot. But what they have is they have a focus. You have a lot of these kids that go out and play basketball in the basketball courts every night. And as they're playing basketball, they're saying, I'm going to be Michael Jordan, and I'm going to make a million dollars. And they have a choice. They have a fork in the road to choose. They can, they can go sell drugs on a street corner, or they can make something of their lives by becoming professional athletes. Now, nobody's there to support them, but the reality is, is that they are there. And it's up to you and only you to set your focus and become all you want to be in this world. Those kids on that basketball court have a focus. Now, they may struggle at school, but somebody will help them get through school. They may not know how to get into college, but somebody will help them get into college simply because they set their sights on being something that they want to be. And every individual has that opportunity because where they're getting their information from is from the universal source that I want to talk to you about. So the reality is this, folks. You and only you get to make the decisions as to how good you're going to be. You know, if you wonder why some people are poor, some people are rich, it's strictly focus. And as you get to know me better and you understand that thoughts, feelings, beliefs, emotions, knowledge, information all reside around us, then you can pick from all of the things that have come from all of the people that have passed on before us, and you get to choose what you want to utilize in your life, the good and the bad. And let me explain that to you. You see, if somebody dies, and and this really changed my opinion of the death penalty, quite honestly, I was a farm kid, and I thought, hey, if somebody gets caught with a gun in their hand and they've just killed somebody, then they should go. But guess what? Stop and think about how it works. The reality is, if somebody died with meanness in their thoughts, and somebody dies with evil in their thoughts, where they've just killed somebody and they believe in their thought process that that person deserved to die, so they're glad that they killed that person. If they get killed, what happens is is they dissipate all of their thoughts that surround them back into the universe. And guess what? That is now available information for other people that have thoughts that go astray to attract. So if somebody attracts evil into their life because they feel that they have been shortchanged by society or somebody else, not knowing that they have control of their own thoughts, they're going to attract from the universe negative thoughts, evil. And that's why the prisons are filling up at the rates that they're filling up, because those guys get thrown into a hole. Nobody works with them. Nobody helps them. Nobody cares enough about them to change them. 
And so when they die, they're surrounded by those terrible, evil thoughts they hate and they want revenge. And then when they die, they dissipate back into the universe and the whole cycle gets taken aside again. Now, why is all of this so important for us? And here's the reason. Anybody that's paying attention to the world today and watching the occupiers and watching the world as far as the shifts go, those shifts are created by the imbalance of proper thoughts in the universe. The negative thoughts. I mean, when we crashed our economy, the first thing we started thinking about the day after the first incident was that, oh my goodness, everything's going to crash. And as we thought that, those negative thoughts were surrounding everyone. So we created the turmoil ourselves. If we hadn't thought that it was going to crash, it would not have crashed. If the greed and profit mongers of the world hadn't all of a sudden decided, gee, I think that we're going to start to lose all our money, let's hoard it away. Let's make this thing ours. Let's protect as much as we can and the little guys to heck with them. It wouldn't have happened that way. Everybody would have been in balance. And what happens now is that we're out of balance. The universe is out of balance. And if you think I'm crazy, stop and think about how deep this goes. All of the tsunamis of the world, the floods, the hurricanes, the tornadoes that are happening more prevalently, it doesn't just happen because it happens. It happens because we are out of balance. And our thoughts, feelings, beliefs, and emotions are the ones that are taking that out of balance until we start learning from each other and start caring about each other and get this world back into a reasonable balance, we're going to have turmoil. Let's go back then to the knowledge that you were given on those three questions, how the universe began, how we live our lives, and what happens when we die. You covered that aspect. What happens when we die reminds me of the Tibetan Buddhists who talk about the bardo. What information did you gather about that? I am an ordinary guy. And when I say ordinary, I mean I play golf and drink beer, or used to anyways, before the knowledge arrived. Now I don't have time for that. But the reality is, is that I never read a book my entire life prior to the experience. I never studied any particular religious doctrine. I didn't read the Quran. I didn't read the Bible. And I actually have my mother's home Bible that sits next to me every day. But I don't read. I will someday because I'm going to be interested enough to find out how everyone thinks in this world, which I am. I just haven't gotten to it yet. The answer to your question is, is that those statements that you made about uh, Buddha. I have never studied Buddha. I have never read anything on any of this stuff. Um, the interesting thing for me was is that when the knowledge arrived that morning, the very first thing I did when I came back from the gym was sit down and cried with my wife for a few hours. We, I said, there's just something amazing has happened, and I explained it to her. And she was, being the good Catholic girl that she is, a little taken back. Um, she didn't really know what had happened to me. And quite honestly, I wasn't 100% sure what happened to me. But the reality is, is that we sat and cried that first day. 
The next day, I sat down and I typed 80,000 words. And the reality was is that they all came directly from the source. Because of the fact I had not read books, because of the fact I had not gone to seminars, I was not influenced by anybody else's opinion along the way. Now, people will say, well, Don, you've got a four-year college degree. How did you get that without reading books? And when I look back on that, I scratch my head myself. How did I get through? I used to have to stand up in the hallway to read so that I would try to get some of the content involved enough so that I could get through the test the next day. But sometimes when I sat there taking the test, I just think real hard about there's got to be an answer here, and I'd get the answer correct. So I wasn't an A student, but I certainly got through. I was a good C, B, and B-plus student. And the reality was is that I got through college without reading the assignments. I would read the summaries. I would do all of the things that people say, well, gee, Don, most of us get through school like that. Well, I understand, but for me it was different. So when you ask me um, about teachings of Buddha or teachings of Jesus Christ or any of that, they received all of their knowledge directly from the same exact source that I'm trying to explain surrounds each and every one of us. And, of course, there's going to be similarities. The thing we laugh about with my close friends is that they have read They've studied. They've meditated. In fact, some of them get a little frustrated that they've spent the last 40 years of their life meditating, and they know that I was just out drinking beer, and then all of a sudden I get the whole thing in 24 minutes. So we laugh about it a lot. I am very thankful that it came through me, but quite honestly, I'm also fearful, because if I don't do this right, this knowledge could get lost. And it was delivered through me, which I also believe will be delivered through other people. Now, I have people every day come up to me and say, well, Don, I had a near-death experience. And I say, well, why don't you go ahead and tell me about it? And then I'm very quiet. What I had was not a near-death experience. There was no white light. There was no tunnels. There was no rising up above myself in the bed. None of that stuff happened. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm protective of other people's beliefs, but that is not what happened in this instance. This truly was a download of powerful new knowledge for all of us to start to understand. And I I believe the impact of this will take place long after I'm gone. I believe that I will do the very best I can, but that until scientists, this is a big one, until scientists learn how to measure what sits right outside of us, until they learn how to measure that those thoughts, feelings, beliefs really do reside outside of us. And they're actually going to be discovering that they're tangible. So that someday you'll be able to look at someone and you'll be able to say, ah, that's what you're thinking. Now people say, I don't know if I want people to know what I'm thinking. Of course you do. Because if people know what you're thinking, think about this with me. If I was able to see what is surrounding Loren right now. I have no doubt in my mind as to what I need to do to either help or add to your thoughts. If your children, for example, are the kind of kids that sit there, which most of them do, and say there's nothing wrong, 
but you know there's something there. You'll be able to see their thoughts, feelings, beliefs, and emotions, and they'll be able to see yours. So they'll know that what you're coming from is a source of love to them, and you'll know what issues they have so you can help them with it. And it even goes further. Our prison systems are bulging because of the place where people get their thoughts, feelings, and beliefs are clouded with not only good things, but also the bad things. If you could see how criminals think, we could stop them before they committed the crime. Because you would see somebody, when they walk up to you, you'd be able to see their thoughts, feelings, beliefs, and emotions, and therefore, you'd either be able to get them some help or stop them by calling somebody to to stop them from thinking. What I want you to do is I want you to go to bed tonight thinking about that thought process, being able to see people's thoughts, feelings, and emotions. When you when when leaders of the world sat with each other, they'd know what the other ones were thinking. They'd know that their words weren't falling on deaf ears because they would be able to see when they said something if the other people were resonating with it, and pretty soon it would clean up all of the war, all of the crime, all of the issues with the families. And, and one of the things that, that we were mentioning before we lost connection there for a second was divorce. I, I'm not going to say that it would stop divorce totally, but if there was needs of a particular partner, those needs would be instantly seen, and they would address them and communicate and take care of all of those questions without all of the sneaking around and doing all the things that caused divorce in the first place. And that's just one of hundreds and hundreds of examples that we can use if we could see, and we will, by the way. People may think this is crazy. These thoughts, feelings, beliefs, and emotions are in a dimension that we can't see because nobody's told us they're there. And scientists will take those measurements and Everybody wants to use the word energy. Well, the reality is, is we know how to measure energy. So that's a, a nice earthly word to try to get people on track with it. But scientists need to dig deeper. They know that in the universe right now, there's vibrations that they can't figure out what they are. Those vibrations are coming from this dimension that I'm talking about. Those are your thoughts, feelings, beliefs, and emotions. Those are the communication device between all of us in this world, not just humans, but also plants and animals. We all come from the same phenomenon, and we all utilize the knowledge that sits in the universe. It's the consciousness in that universe that is causing the shifts right now that we can't understand. You mentioned if the scientists would learn to look at these other things in the universe, quantum physics Quantum physics is doing this work, and that's what's fascinating because you're speaking, you know, 96% of the universe, we don't know what that is. Scientists cannot determine what it is, but you've been given that knowledge. The reality is that once you realize in, in a full scope that all of those thoughts, feelings, beliefs, and emotions are surrounding us, they're not created in our minds, our minds are just the memory of it. Now, the reality is, is that that surrounding information that we have is out of balance. We're confused. And I, I think mm -hmm. that there's not a lot of people in the world that would disagree with that. The world is confused. When you take a look at all of these occupy this and occupy that, they're protests. 
because people are confused as to how it should be. So that imbalance that people walk around with, imagine this, Loren. Imagine it this way. Imagine that there's a cloud around you, a good cloud, not, not a detrimental cloud, but a cloud that surrounds you, and that's filled with your thoughts, feelings, beliefs, and emotions. And you walk through your daily routine with that cloud around you. Now, that cloud is around everybody. And the depth of that cloud is really depending on the focus that people have. If they have a big focus on something, like a professional athlete, for example, his cloud is filled with thoughts of becoming a professional athlete, which opens the doors to the gym, which opens the doors to the membership, which opens the door to the tutoring at colleges. All of that thought process that they have surrounds them so wherever they walk, it goes with them, just like you and I. We all have the same ability to do it. My cloud is so huge right now, it reaches out throughout the world because the knowledge, and, and this is where I get a little bit emotional, the knowledge that is available to me is available to everyone, and I have gotten to the point in my life where I know that it's there, so I can utilize it every day. People say to me, well, Don, if your knowledge is so powerful, why are you not doing this all right now in, in one big step? And the reality is, is I'm just not ready yet. I'm gathering up the information. I want to make sure that I distribute this knowledge in a powerful way. We are well aware in my family, my kids and my wife, that this is so huge that we will be in places that we never thought we would be but I, I'm not ready for it yet. I'm close. But the reality is, is that when we walk around with this cloud, when we walk around with the knowledge that we can do anything that we want to do, when you come up to a friend, their thoughts, feelings, and beliefs are now part of your cloud, depending on how deep it is. I mean, if it's only three inches outside your body, yeah, you got to get pretty close. But the reality is, why? Here's a great question for you. How is it that out of 7 billion people in the world, two people come together and become partners? The reason is simple. You initially meet in some form, and then you get together at a coffee shop or you know, a library, and your cloud mixes with their cloud. And if the thoughts, feelings, beliefs, and emotions that are in your cloud match up with their cloud, you become interested in each other. It's really that simple. The, it's not that your mind attracts them. It's the fact that the knowledge and the thoughts that you have surrounding you match up with theirs. And then people will say, well, why is the divorce rate at 30% or higher? The reality is, is that when two people are together and their clouds become filled with different thoughts, feelings, beliefs, and emotions, and they run across someone else whose cloud is filled with their matching emotions, then they shift. All of a sudden, the partner that has no idea what happened. Uh, we were married for 25 years. I don't understand what happened. I never seen it coming. It wasn't that person. It's not their fault. The reality is, is that the other person just happened to mix in with somebody else's cloud of thoughts, feelings, emotions, and beliefs, and then that took place. And look at it at a bigger scope. 
Look at it in the workplace, for example. When you have a positive workplace, like Zappos, for example, and I'll use them because they're right here in Las Vegas. Zappos is a company that cares about their people. The owner is going to make a lot of money, but that's not his primary focus. It's making sure that the people are happy that work for him. Um, Google is another place. You know, take a look at the Google work environment. They care about each other. And when you do that, your clouds mix. And then when they mix and your thoughts and feelings and beliefs are becoming, let's make this company great, then the companies flourish. It's the same thing that happened with Eastman Kodak. Basically, we were a family. We were a cloud all together working for the same goals. And then before long, and it takes time to fall apart, but it falls apart if the entire organization is not grabbing from those same thoughts, feelings, and beliefs that their neighbors and their coworkers are working for. I mean, just think about the whole process throughout the world. People that have different thoughts, feelings, and beliefs from Iran or North Korea don't mix their clouds with us. But if they did, and we could see those feelings and beliefs, we could adjust so that instead of throwing bombs at each other, we extended our hands and said, okay, I got you. You know, I understand what you're thinking. Now let's try to adjust and, and help you. So this, this will solve the world's problems, but not right away, because people aren't going to believe that they were going to eventually be able to see their thoughts, feelings, and beliefs. But there's examples of every new technology that has come along. It wasn't thought up by one person. You know, you get a Bill Gates, and he'll tell you this. He focused on computers when he was a kid. You know, he used to go to the University of Washington. He used to sneak out of the house and work on his computers and work on the punch cards. And then he was so focused on improving that he started attracting people to him that had the same clouds around their thought process that he did. And then they started laughing and having fun. And before you know it, they make a multi-million dollar company, billion dollar company, and everybody says, how did that happen? Well, it happened because you had joint thinking, thoughts that, that were equal to everybody. And every instance in the world, you're going to love this, Lauren. I'm going to tell you, when you start to really dig into this and you start to you know, sit in a chair quietly and just think about all the possibilities, if, 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 if I'm correct, which I am, by the way, sorry, the fact is, is that those thoughts, feelings, beliefs are around us and not created in our minds, we can start teaching our youngsters the right way to achieve in business and life. Because they're no longer going to feel blamed about the fact that they might not be as smart as the person next to them. Those geniuses that we call geniuses, they simply have focus on learning. That's what they have. The kids that don't achieve have an environment around them. Their thought processes that they draw from, they think that it's their minds, and they're not smart enough. And because they think they're not smart enough, they don't have the ability to reach out back hundreds of years even and pull the knowledge forward to them. You know, you, I'll touch real quick on that. The fact is, is that some people say that, well, you're an old soul. Well, guess what? You probably are. 
because all of the people that have died before have deposited their thoughts, feelings, beliefs into the universe, there's no reason that you can't grab something from somebody that lived 300 years before you. All you have to do is have a particular thought, and some of that stuff that's in the universe is going to pull together in larger particles, and you're going to be able to process it through your mind. What about angelic help or other beings? Can we ask and be assisted, or is it simply just focus? <laughs> great, great question. That's a that's an awesome question because obviously we we believe in spiritual beings, and some people believe in angels, and and some people believe in extraterrestrials. My knowledge never said that's an impossibility. That can't possibly be the way it is. So I leave that open for other people's interpretations. But when you become a true believer in understanding how it all works, you understand that all of that is possible simply by what you focus on and the thoughts that have been placed back in the universe by people before you that may have believed in extraterrestrials, for example. If they have deposited back in there those thoughts, it's up to you. And if your focus is extraterrestrial, there has to be other beings in the universe. My son and I had a great conversation one night about this. If you focus on that, then you're going to pull all of the knowledge that has been deposited in the universe concerning extraterrestrial stuff. And if you do that and you're surrounded by those thoughts, the reality is, is that you can create any visions that you want. So whether or not there are extraterrestrials is really a judgment call on the individual that's focused on finding them. But I will tell you that because a dimension exists where our thoughts, feelings, beliefs, and emotions exist, there can be other dimensions. But remember back to when I was 10 years old. I asked a very specific question. Tell me how life works. I did not say, can you tell me if there's extraterrestrials? Can you, can you give me other information? Now, the one mistake that I made when I was growing up was that I never said to myself, I want to be rich. I wish I had. But all I wanted to be was comfortable. And I'm very comfortable. But if I had said that I wanted to be rich and focused on that, the universe would have given me all of the information, the knowledge, the thoughts that I would have needed, all of the doors to go and become rich. It would not have handed me a bag of money. That's not how it happens. You know, there's a lot of people that propose the, the law of attraction. Of course there's the law of attraction. That knowledge is in the universe for the people that focus on it to attract. But the reality is, is most of the time when people talk about it, they don't understand what the source is and why it works. And so they think that, well, maybe we can just sit on a couch and have something happen for us. That's not how it works. You're attracting the knowledge that allows you to get to your end result. Because that knowledge is in the universe. Let me talk about technology for just a second to explain that. All along, let's start with the Wright brothers, for example. They looked up in the universe and they saw birds flying. And they said, why can't man fly? So they started attracting information that they had. 
which was very minimal, by the way. It wasn't like anybody had ever flown before, but the birds had. Now, when the birds die, they dissipate their knowledge back into the universe also. So the Wright brothers stayed focused. They jumped off the barn a few times. It hurt because they just went straight down to the bottom. But eventually they figured out a way to fly by attracting the knowledge that was available in the universe. Now what do we have? Fast forward. We've got Boeing that has research scientists sitting in there figuring out how to make planes bigger, faster, stronger. And they do that because all of the history before them sits in the universe and they attract that knowledge so that those research scientists focused on making a jet faster, bigger, stronger. And then all of their friends are doing the same thing. And then not only does that one individual have the ability to draw the knowledge, but the whole organization is drawing the knowledge so that when they walk into that place in the morning, they walk right into everybody's clouds. And before you know it, their thoughts, feelings, and all of the stuff that they've got becomes an idea that they've processed and come out with a better plan. Now, if there's something in the universe that we have never known, it's going to be tougher for people to grab onto the knowledge. Let me give you a simple example. The fact that thoughts, feelings, beliefs, emotions, and knowledge exist outside of our brains has never been told to us. So it's going to take us a while to discover how to measure those vibrations that are going on out there, for lack of a better earthly word. And when we get through that whole process, we'll eventually be able to see those thoughts and feelings because we're going to believe it. And how you leave this world, I'm going to jump ahead just a little bit, is how you believe in this world. So how you leave and how you believe is what you deposit back into the world. And all of those people that believe in heaven and hell, it's okay. You can continue that. But let me explain to you, there is retribution in the world with the fact that there's thoughts, feelings, and beliefs existing around us. If you are a criminal, and this is something all of the criminals need to understand, when you die, if you die with those negative thoughts surrounding you, you dissipate that back into the universe. And guess what, guys? Maybe it's your kids that attract that information that you redeposited back in that universe. Mm -hmm. And you want them to take your same path. You want them to not have any hope. You want them to attract the meanness and the fear that you put into the universe because it's capable for them to do that. And the environment that they live in actually allows them to focus on that a little bit easier than the kid in the suburbs who basically lives in an environment where everything seems to be okay. So if you think that it's okay to commit crimes and treat people bad, and if you cheat on your neighbors, and if you steal from your friends, all of that, all of those thoughts, you can't shake them. And you know it. So when you die, they're going to go with you. And then somebody else somewhere down the line is going to attract that negative stuff that you put back in the universe. So you're not, there's no free ride here, guys. It doesn't work that way. So it's really a responsibility on each of us to really pay attention 
and just to be aware of our thoughts. You and only you. When I received my knowledge, there was two very prominent things that surrounded me. And at first, I wasn't sure what they meant. Here's what, this was the two, you and only you, and how's it working so far? They were so prominent around me for days and months afterwards. You and only you, and how's it working so far? And when I first got it, I thought, me and only me. Don Saunders, me. I'm the only one that can distribute this knowledge. I was way off on that one. But the insights helped me clear it all up. The reality was is that I was supposed to teach that you and only you, each individual, is responsible for their lives. And you are the only ones that can attract the knowledge that exists around you through your processor and store the good thoughts in your memory. So it's you and only you. And then the other one that I mentioned was how's it working so far? Well, that's my litmus test. I ask that all the time. Do I really need to talk to the world? How's it working so far? Yeah, I do. Do I need to share this knowledge of how to get people back on track so that they live a good, positive life through things that they do for themselves? How's it working so far? It's not. So, yes, I do need to do this. So, when I keep throwing the litmus test is how's it working so far, and somebody wants to come back at me and say, well, Don, you know, what you're doing is you're really saying that there might not be a superior being. I'm not saying any of that. But my question is, is if you truly believe that we all have a destiny and you believe all of the traditional thoughts that you've been taught, ask yourself for each and every instance, how's it working so far? And if you can say it's working great, we're happy, we've got a great life, we do good things for people, we give back to the world, perfect. And if you use prayer to do that, to attract those thoughts, feelings, and beliefs, and it's working great, perfect. Who am I to tell you don't pray? Who am I to tell you don't believe in a superior being? If it's working great, then keep doing what you're doing. And in fact, Socrates has one of my favorite quotes of the world. If you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always gotten. And if what you're doing is a positive result, then keep doing it. And if it's not, make adjustments. And that's what I'm talking to you about. If you look at the world and you see poverty, kids hungry, and you see fighting and crime, well, if it's not working, then make adjustments. And the adjustments that have been passed through me for the world, forgive me, are that we have to care about each other. We have to love each other. We have to attract from the universe the good thing. And people say to me, well, Don, gee, you know, if there's good things and bad things in the universe, how do you know what to attract you know what to attract. You and only you can do that. And guess what, folks? If we create a generation of people that disperse back into the universe only good things, we're going to push those negative things further out into the universe. 
and they will be less accessible for the kids that haven't had a chance in the past. Because if all that's around them is good feelings, good thoughts, good beliefs, good emotions, then that's what they'll attract. Even if their focus is light, if they're surrounded by good things, then that's what's available for them to process. That's what's available for them to store in their memories. And the world becomes a better place. Let's talk real quickly about how the universe began and the shift that we're going through. Well, first of all, I want to point out something. That uh, a very short period of time after my experience on November 17, 2009, mm-hmm. a good friend of mine, I say he's a good friend because he's become a good friend, but at the time, he was just a, a, a guy that worked with me. And he sent me a book called The Field. I had never read the book. I had no, I, and, and I had never read a book. Mm-hmm. But I sat down and I completely read through that. And it was like a knife through butter. I understood everything about it. And I couldn't even spell quantum physics prior to reading that book. But the reality of it was, is that, yeah, this is quantum physics? Absolutely. Are there scientists out there? Yes, there are. There are people in Europe right now that have that have uh, uh, built a huge collider to try to create what they refer to as the, gar- the God particle, the beginning particle that happened at the beginning of the universe. They are on top of it. I didn't know about this before my experience, but afterwards, all of these documentaries show up on my TV. I mean, it's incredible, the information that I get coming to me. And sometimes people will say, well, Don, they're already working on that. And I go right back to what I mentioned earlier. Of course they are. They're getting their information from the same source, and they're focused on it. Of course they're going to get these answers. So um, the reality of it is, is this, how the universe began. I had very clear knowledge of how it began, and I had never had one thought prior to this about how the universe began. Of course, I'd heard about the Big Bang and all of that stuff, but I was able that morning, and this is, this is an interesting one, I was able that morning to receive the knowledge that there was nothing at the very beginning. And what that meant to me was, what's it mean nothing? Well, eventually, over the next few days, I was handed information on a thing called the zero-point field. I, yeah, I, I laughed, too, because I had no idea what that was. But I said, well, that very well could have been the beginning of the universe, because there was nothing there. There was no anything that you could see, no gas, nothing. And then this is where the people that believe in a spiritual being can, can dig deep down and try to sort out, was it a superior being that created the very first chemical interaction of gases. But what the knowledge that I was given was these little what clear, there were clear dots floating around that became white dots. And then those white dots started coming together. They started, you ready for this one? They started attracting to each other. When they started attracting to each other, they started to move in the same direction, in a wave. 
So those dots and waves, which now, I mean, I have so much information in front of me now that is incredible. And I just smile. I said, guys, here's the problem. We are stuck on this Big Bang theory. There's no doubt in my mind that the Big Bang might have taken place, but it's a theory. The reality is, is that in order for that big mass that exploded way before that, billions and billions of years before that, these particles and these waves came together and solidified. And they created the mass that created the big explosion, if there was one. Again, it's theory. Nobody can tell me, yeah, we got that knowledge. The reality of it is, is whether there was a big mass that exploded or not, the start of the universe was those particles coming together. That's why the law of attraction works. Because we all go back, regardless of how much you might think. This is like book 14 and 15, by the way. (laughs) Forgive me. But the, the reality is, is that no matter how far we go back, we all go back to that same beginning. Everything in the universe goes back to that same beginning. And that means that everything can attract to each other. Sticking with me on this? This is, this is a little heavier when you really, I mean, this one keeps you up at night. The reality is, is that everything came from that same original source. And I know the, you know, the, the, the people that believe in the superior being are going to say, well, Adam and Eve and and yeah, okay, there could have been an Adam and an Eve, yeah, but prior to that, things had to take place to create those some people. So the reality is, is that in 1952, there was a scientist that put together the beginning of life experiment. That experiment basically indicated that life can come from nothing. There's a primordial soup, he called it, that basically was a combination of water and gases and all of that that created the first living organism. And from there, all hell broke loose. But the reality of it is, is that I was born in 1952. The universe gave enough time for us to take that information and do good with it. In January of 1953, there was two scientists, uh, Watson and Creek, who I had no idea before my experience even existed. But I was given a book. I opened the book. On that page was this information. The reality is, is that they know that the biological life is based on the double helix DNA. What happened in those two instances? And I believe I was born to, as the parachute, if it didn't work out. People took that information and got off track with their research because now all of a sudden, cells are the key component that drive how life works. It's the thing that all scientists focus on. They don't focus on measuring, not all of them, they don't focus on measuring what's outside the cell. That's why we haven't discovered the cure for cancer. 
the thoughts, feelings, beliefs are not just surrounding us as a physical human being that speaks and breathes. It also surrounds every piece of anatomy in our body. That information that surrounds those cells are the way that cells, which are far more sophisticated than we are, there's a hundred trillion of them in the human body. They communicate with each other through the inner space that I'm telling you people about. When that takes place, they spread not only the good, but the bad, the disease, it's spread from cell to cell, not because the cells are touching each other, but because they're communicating with each other within the human body. And until we discover, and some young scientist will hear this and, and start to say, that's what I'm going to do with my life. I'm going to focus on discovering what's in this space, this vibration that we're talking about. Until they discover how to measure that and block that communication, they're not going to discover the cure for cancer. Now, I have to be very, very, very careful with this conversation because I don't want anybody stopping the research that they're doing on cells. It's all part of it. They have to learn how the cell works and you know, learn how it communicates, And but somebody has to measure the space between because that's where we're communicating. We will eventually, as human beings, be able to telepathically talk with each other. I'll be able to look at Loren and say, how are you doing without saying a word? And you'll respond back to me, I'm doing fine. I'm having a great day. And we'll continue on with our lives because of how this all works. Now, here's, a, here's something. My daughter works with autistic kids. And uh, one of the things that concerns me is, but the reality is, is that think about thoughts, feelings, and beliefs being available to every human being. If there's no filters to stop the amount of knowledge going through the processor, they're going to be flooded with information. Now, every news channel that you listen to says that autism is really on the rise. Well, that's because the knowledge that these kids are absorbing into their lives is more powerful than it's ever been. So that, of course, it's on the rise. Because unless they have the filters to filter out this powerful, powerful knowledge that surrounds them, they're going to be overwhelmed. And instead of being able to process it all, they're going to shut down. Or they're going to do exactly what they do. They're going to pick out one thing, for example, how to, how to play the piano. They're going to become savants because they gather up the knowledge from everyone. You speak the language of Bruce Lipton and Amit Goswami, both quantum theory physicists and scientists. Bruce Lipton has studied how cells regenerate and protein particles regenerate based on information and toxins and environment. You know, this work is, is out there. You've just confirmed that, yeah, you've tapped into universal knowledge. Here's a funny one, Lauren. Basically, I have two things. One real powerful thing that happens to me. I, I am surrounded by morning doves. Now, to most people, that if I get off into that conversation, they go, ooh, airy-fairy stuff. No, 
The reality is, is that I have moved all over the country, and every time we move, these doves go with us. And there's a purpose for them. And the purpose is, is for them to remind me to get back on task again. When they disappear, that means that I'm off track. When I start to refocus again, these babies show up all over the place. My wife, you know, drives her crazy because they got this cool about them that, you know, wakes us up in the mornings. But when I am totally focused on distributing this knowledge, they just affirm for me that, yeah, you're on track. And there's two of them. But when I'm really on a roll, all of a sudden they bring lots of friends. So I don't mean to get, you may want to cut that one out of the radio too, because I don't want to lose the, the importance of the knowledge, but that's the reality of things. But the reason I mention that is that when I go to the gym, there's this little, I don't know, I guess they call them iguanas, this little lizard type thing. And he always comes out in the morning. Well, one morning he came out and he was missing his tail. And I seen his tail crushed on the sidewalk where some goof had tried to step on him, or maybe it was an accident, but his tail was on the sidewalk. And he still kept coming out to see me. Well, guess what he did? He regenerated his tail over time. And I watched it grow. So that affirmed an insight that I have that with the proper focus, we can regenerate things that have gone bad for us in our human bodies. But that's, guys, that's almost book 17 now. Confirmation with those animals that have shown up in your life. They're affirmations. That's exactly what they are. And that's the word I use all the time is, is they're, they're affirmations to me to, to keep on track. And, you know, as an ordinary guy, I am so tuned in to the fact that there's a lot of people, the majority of people, won't listen to this the first time around. The second time, somebody, a neighbor will say, you got to hear this guy. And it's not about me. It's about the knowledge. And I'm hoping that I can get enough interest before I leave the face of this earth to drive people in future generations to understand how this all works. Because right now, we, we're confused. We don't have this down. I mean, uh, here's something else, too. Let's talk a little bit, if you've got just a couple more minutes, talk about time. Yes, it's supposed to be collapsing. I know there's many people today that look at their clock and look, it's already a quarter to one. Where did the morning go? What's going on with time? Well, here it is. This is this came. This is part of the knowledge. There is no time in the universe. Period. End of story. Anything relating to time, including, if you don't mind me going a little bit further, the Mayan calendar, it is all made by humans. It is time is created. Think about it. Clocks, calendars, dates, months, years. It's all made by human beings. In the universe, and this is this is how I received this knowledge was really fun. When the clock, remember back and I told you that when the clock clicked 624, everything turned around and came back at me. I was wide awake during those moments. And it stuck on 624 for a very, very, very long time. 
for me to receive the insights and the knowledge. That was part of my training in understanding that a clock is just a clock. The information that was coming to me was billions of years of information. And because of all of that, because there's no time in the universe, let me tell you this. I asked the question of how life works when I was age 10. I didn't get the answer for 46 years later. I now know that that could have been an instantaneous answer. I could have easily, somewhere on my timeline, asked the question in the right way and focused enough to be able to get the instantaneous answer in earthly time, yeah, it was 46 years. But in universal words and terms, the fact is is that 76 years of our life is like a flash compared to billions of years of the universal history. So you see what I'm saying? I mean, I could have easily asked that question at age 10 and gotten an instantaneous answer, but because we call it 46 years, you know, it seemed like a long time. And I will tell you that the interesting part of that training, that piece, is that we are simply on that wave floating through the universe. We, we think that we live till 76. If we wanted to, if we as a, a, a world decided we wanted to live to 200 years, mm-hmm. we could do it. Yeah, I mean, just think about the pioneers. I mean, they, you know, there was there was people that at one time, if they lived to age 20, they thought they'd lived a long life. And then it changed to <coughs> 30 and 40 and 50. And that now we're, we're saying we can live till 76. Jack LaLanne lived till 93 because he said he was going to live till a, an older age. Mm-hmm. If we start to believe, which we haven't even come close, that we can live to 200 years old, we'll be able to do that. We'll regenerate. We will have science that will fix things when they get broke. And who knows? We could live indefinitely. The light workers that are out there are really dedicating their lives to making this happen. What was the most profound lesson, part of the knowledge, besides the focus of thought? My goodness, that's enough, isn't it? It's, it's pretty powerful. And, uh, you know, the, the, the one point that I always make to people, um, because of all of the traditional beliefs that we have in the world, is that um, I don't want to argue political ideologies or debate religious beliefs, uh, philosophies, any of that. Um, there was no return address on the knowledge when it arrived. And the reason there was no return, return address is even if it comes from a source that you believe in your heart and in your true being produced the information. We are divided by politics and religion, and we have to stop that. And the reason there was no return address, even if it came from one of your total beliefs that you know where the source was, that's okay. But because it had no return address, I am supposed to distribute it to everyone, regardless of their politics or their religious beliefs. So that's the that's the place where we'll. What do you see the future as? Telepathic, 
being able to see thoughts? Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it, they exist. And when science tells us that they exist, not just a, a poor country kid from western New York, when scientists discover how to measure those vibrations, and it's not energy. That's why we've been thrown off track. It's something else that we have to figure out how to measure, and we will. There's some young students right now that are going to listen to me somewhere along the way, not because of me, but because of the knowledge and the information that they're listening to, and then say, yeah, we can measure that. Why not? It's a vibration. We know how to measure that. And when they start to do that, then people will start to believe that they can see thoughts, feelings, beliefs, and emotions. And just like everything else, when you believe in something, then you can start to see it. You know, there's some things I want to, If in fact, if any of your listeners have any background on this, I, I, I just heard this from an attorney one day, and uh, I have to laugh because, you know, she said, you know that when Columbus arrived, the Indians, the Native Americans, could not see the ships. And the reason they couldn't see the ships is because they had never seen anything in their lives that resembled a ship. But when man walked up on the shores, they were, of course, skeptical and fearful because they knew that even though they looked a little different, they were still human beings. So the reality is, is that if that could be true, and I don't know about it, but if it could be, once the discoverers told the Native Americans who came on these big, massive things, then they were able to say, oh, yeah, there's the ships. That's what will happen with our thoughts, feelings, and beliefs. Once we're told and once we believe that they exist outside of our biological presence. That's when it'll all start to turn around. It makes us really want to be careful with what we think and feel right now. And emotions, wow, that's the real charge behind the thought, isn't it? Well, now, every time you hear, every time you hear about um, the occupiers or, or something that's done in the political realm or religious realm, apply the knowledge that you know now. And look at all of the people that are surrounding the people that are doing the talking, because that cloud is from everywhere. It's a universal consciousness. And right now it's out of balance, because we don't know what to think. We are so confused in this country, in this world right now, but it's starting to happen. And I don't want to make crazy predictions, but the reality is, is that if the occupiers, gained a foothold, they are going to make major, major changes in how we live in this world. Because it's not just happening in America. It's happening in the Middle East. They're throwing out dictators. They're, they're getting together. How about the thing that happened, I think it was Syria, where the people just came together with no leaders at all and forced the dictator out. And, and forgive me if I don't have the right country, but it's happening in so many different places. The reason they were able to do that is that joint consciousness, that big cloud that that group of people carried together. They had enough. They're mad as hell and they're not going to take it anymore. 
And that's going to happen all over the world until we start to self-correct. It already is happening. That's why we've seen this change, this Occupy movement here in our own country, seeing that our healthcare system is out of whack, our financial system is out of whack. All of these things that don't have integrity are leaving us now, and I really believe that the people are waking up because of this unity consciousness. You've talked about the Mayan calendar. That Mayan calendar talked about a ninth wave of unity consciousness, and it is like a wave that's rolling over the planet, and it's like what you were talking about with waves and particles. There's a higher light. There's a higher consciousness for all of us to wake up to and become aware of, and I feel that happening all around, and again, it it goes back to the individual person taking responsibility. That's the work that we're here to do, is to be responsible for our own thoughts and our own emotions and our own actions. Quantum physics will prove it, and ordinary guys, business, I I just love the fact that you're a 38-year business executive who had this experience one day and now is dedicating your life to getting it to 7 billion people. That's amazing. I want to thank you for that. Well, it's... uh... Thank my wife for putting up with it because she's had to she's had to figure out okay Dan you're gonna you're gonna walk away from a very lucrative corporate career with no real visible means of instant support um, you're gonna do that huh <laughs> and we sort of uh, I I don't worry about it because the abundance because I need abundance to pay the mortgage but the abundance will come and there'll be enough for everybody. And so it'll all, I mean, I I live a totally different life today than I used to live. And it's a great life. As we've learned, money cannot buy happiness. No, it can actually destroy happiness, to be honest with you. Yeah, and and greed and, and an obsession with it. So wonderful to talk with you. Congratulations on your new book that's coming out. What's your website? Uh, it's www. The Power of Knowing How Life Works, all one word, dot com. And I can be reached at Don at the Power of Knowing How Life Works, dot com. Certainly uh, go to the website, leave us a note. Wonderful stuff. Thank you, thank you. And thank you, too, for listening. If you've enjoyed this program, please share it with your friends so we can get this important information out to the world. This program is supported by donations by listeners like you. Your support allows us to bring you fresh information that is empowering, inspiring, and uplifting. It's also information you won't find in mainstream media. Visit AcousticHealth.com Thank you for your support, and I now leave you with music from the universe. This music was literally created by the universe as mathematical equations were assigned to musical notes. The result is this beautiful music.
You're invited to experience online healing retreats brought to you by AcousticHealth.com. These magical online gatherings give you valuable insights, exercises, and channeled information on the great shift of the ages. Visit AcousticHealth.com and click on Online Retreats or check out our retreat archive and download the recording. Life-changing online retreats by AcousticHealth.com.